The following audio is from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com. Well, Merry Christmas to you. I'd like to talk with you tonight about the areas in your life that may feel a little dark or a little cold. I'd like to talk with you about the reality that Christmas is so much more than a tradition, and it's more than something that happened 2,000 years ago. We're going to see a verse that says the light of the world is still shining. And wherever you are tonight in your relationship with God, maybe you don't even believe in God right now, or maybe you've known God for a while and, and you're here to warm your heart. No matter where you are, uh, the Word of God tells us that, that God is seeking you. He desires for you to come to salvation. He desires for you to find that light and that warmth in Him. I don't know what kind of Christmas traditions you have. Our family's pretty young. We have a four-year-old boy and a two-year-old girl. So our traditions are kind of just getting started. But one of our traditions that uh, is really, really getting big this year is driving around to look at Christmas lights. Do any of you guys ever do that? Drive around and look at Christmas lights? Our four-year-old Jack just loves, loves, loves looking at Christmas lights. Um, on Whipple Road, which if you're new to the area, Whipple is the road that changes names every half a mile. It's Cortez, it's Whipple, it's Iron Springs. On those little stretch where it's Whipple, there's this house that is like insane. Do you guys know what house I'm talking about? Jack loves it. He calls it his favorite house. And so, you know, we'll all be hanging out at home. And now Jack has got Zoe in on this with him. Zoe's not even quite two yet. She doesn't say a lot of things, but she now says, go, when she wants to go look at the lights. Jack will start talking about the lights. We'll get them ready for bed. And then Zoe will just say, go, go, go. And, you know, if we try and walk her down or anything else, she's not happy. We don't always let her get her way, but, you know, it's Christmas. So we do go look at that house a lot. And, uh, and that's okay, because I like Christmas lights. I, uh, I like the warmth of them. I like when I'm locking up at night and I lock all the doors and turn off all the other lights and just the Christmas tree is still on. I love that moment. I kind of sit there and look at it for a little while because it's such a warm, soft light. I wonder if you sense the light of God's goodness in your life in that way. Do you sense his warmth? Do you sense his presence in your life. Maybe you came here tonight and, and you feel like God isn't really shining in your life. Maybe you're here tonight and, and your life seems a bit dark. We're going to see tonight that God came as a light into the world, but that he came for him when we understand how powerful he is in a very gentle way, really in a very subtle way. And so I want to start by asking you, where is it right now that you could use some of that warmth, some of that light. If there is a God and if he's good and, and if he really fills people's lives, where in your life could you use that? Uh, is there some darkness in a relationship in your life? Uh, is there some, some darkness uh, in a corner of your heart where there's a, a secret thing or, or just a deep lifelong pain that you have? Is there a broken situation in your life that's dark? Uh, is it maybe an uncertainty about the future as you try to look out ahead of you? It just seems dark. Maybe it's a financial problem. Right now, I want to ask you to, to take a moment to identify that area. 
And, and from your heart to just, just pray this very simply to God. God, I want your light in the dark areas of my life. God, I want your warmth where things are cold in my life. I want your presence where things are lonely in my life. Whatever may be going on in your life this Christmas, we're going to see that the same God who is all-powerful, big enough to create galaxies and planets and whales and mountains, this same God is gentle and kind. And in the person of Jesus Christ, he's accessible to you to make a difference in your life tonight. I don't know what kind of Christmas presents you all are hoping for this year at Christmas. Uh, Christmas presents are a great part of the Christmas tradition, one of my favorites. Saw a funny joke the other day about Christmas presents. Dennis the Menace rushes into the room where his mom is, and his mom is standing there with her mouth gaping open. Dennis is holding a big box in his hands, and he says, we'd better tell Santa Claus to forget the toy train I asked for. I just found the same one in dad's closet. And presents are a great part of the Christmas tradition. Lights are a great part of the Christmas tradition. You know, another really common part of the Christmas tradition is that in church, we usually focus on the physical elements of Christmas, right? The shepherds and their, their smelly sheep, the, uh, the manger and, and the, the scratchy hay, the angels and the, the bright star. Well, did you know that the Bible, it also tells the Christmas story from a totally different angle, uh, almost from a different dimension. And tonight we're gonna look at that account of the Christmas story. We find it in the Gospel of John, and here's how it starts in John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. Now, right off the bat, you can see why, you know, this doesn't often get picked for Christmas pageants with kids, right? Because a whole bunch of little lambs in costumes are a lot cuter than like a floating word in the darkness. It's a lot easier to dress kids up as shepherds and wise men, but there's an important truth here, and it's something that you might not expect to hear from a pastor on Christmas Eve, and here it is. Jesus was never born. What I mean is, is in the sense of his life beginning. Yes, Jesus was born on earth, like we just read in the story. But did you know that that's not when Jesus' life started? Did you know that Jesus' birth on earth was really like him stepping through a doorway into our world, but he already existed. He existed before Mary and Joseph. He existed before Adam and Eve. In fact, we're gonna see he's the one who created Adam and Eve. And it's when we understand this, that Jesus was not just another baby who was born. He was not just a good moral teacher or a good example, that, that he was the creator, the one who spoke Adam and Eve into existence. And he stepped down into our dimension. This becomes a great mystery. This becomes an incredible story. Here's how. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So first we see Jesus was never born in the sense that you and I were born, that we didn't exist before we were born. He always has been. He's the one true God who exists from eternity past to eternity future. 
He's the one true judge spiritually in the universe. He's the most powerful being in the universe. And we're going to see that the way he stepped down into our world shows also how loving of a God he is. In the beginning was the word. That's capitalized because that's a title for God, the word. And the word was with God and the word was a God. Not, not, not a God. The word was God. There are people who will tell you Jesus is a God, but that's not what scripture says. Scripture says that he is the one true God. We see more about this in verse three. Through him, all things were made. And in case we're wondering, what does that mean? The author's gonna tell us the same thing from another angle. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Because again, there are false teachings out there that say, well, Jesus is a God and he created this world, but there are other gods who are over other planets. And, and, and so God in his wisdom 2000 years ago, when he wrote this down said, through him, all things were made. And just in case you're thinking that means he's one of many gods. No, without him, there's nothing in the universe. There's a verse in Colossians one that says in Christ, all things hold together. He's like the center of that atom, the center of that molecule. He holds all things together. Well, did you know that this very same Jesus, who we think about because physically he did come into a literal feeding trough for animals that as a baby, that that same Jesus created our solar system and our galaxies and the, the yawning universe that our, our best scientists still are trying to find the edges of. He created it. He created the dirt in your front yard, the dirt under your fingernails or your kids' fingernails, plaque on your teeth. He created the bedrock that your house stands on all the way down to the center of the planet, created the core of the universe, the carbon, the oxygen, the basic elements that, that make up matter and energy in life. This is the man who created them, the God who created them. But there's more. Let's look at verses four and five. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines. Notice that that is a present tense word. Uh, in the Greek language, it's really easy to, to describe what tense you're using, if it's past or present or future. Sometimes in English, you'll get a word, you know, and, and you're like, Was, is that past tense or present? I can't tell. In, in Greek, it's really easy to tell. There's a different ending for every word if it's past, present, or future. This is a present tense verb. What it means is that the light of Christ is shining right now and is available right now to all who will turn to him, to all who will be humble enough to say, without Christ, my life is dark. Without Christ, my life is cold. To all who will be humble enough to, to turn towards Christ, his light is shining this moment in the darkness of our world, in the darkness of our lives. But sadly, the darkness has not understood it. That is the majority of humanity still rejects Christ. But you don't need to be concerned tonight with the majority of humanity. You just need to be concerned with you. And I just need to be concerned with me. Have I turned myself to the light of Christ? 
So Jesus is not only the source of all physical life, he's also the only source of spiritual life. Here, God says that all of us, no matter how nice we look on the outside, no matter what good things we do, every one of us lives in spiritual darkness until we turn to Christ. We see this darkness in obvious ways if we look around the world, if we look at genocide and wars, if we, if we look at murders and, and, and crimes that are committed against people. There's a verse in Romans that says, you know, even the earth itself, the, the weather patterns, it groans to be redeemed from sin. So that's why we have things like typhoons and earthquakes where thousands of people get killed because this earth is so broken by sin. It's not the way that God designed it. Sin has come in and has infected it. And after that happened, God himself said, I'll go down there. I'll, I'll write myself into the story of humanity to, to be a light in the darkness, to show a way of salvation for all who will believe in me, for all who will trust in me. Well, the darkness of this world, it's not just out there. It's also in here, isn't it? There's the darkness of loneliness. There's the sting of rejection. There's times when we're empty. There's times when we regret. We all experience spiritual darkness in our lives, if we're honest. And all of us, the Gospel of John says, lived in darkness until Christ came as a light into a dark world. I don't know if you've ever been in a place that's completely, completely pitch dark. I read a story about a brother and sister. It was an 11-year-old boy and his little 7-year-old sister. They went into the Carlsbad Caverns. And when they were down there, the tour guide did the usual thing where for a few moments they turn off the lights so that everyone on the tour can just get an idea of how dark pitch blackness really is, where you can't see your hand in front of your face. And when they turned those lights off, that little seven-year-old girl was, was just overwhelmed by the darkness, and she started to cry. And immediately her, her older brother's voice broke into the darkness and said this, don't cry. Somebody here knows how to turn the lights on. At which point they did. In a very real sense, that is the message of Christmas. That light is available even when darkness seems overwhelming. And that light is Jesus Christ, the light of the world. And he's available to each of us tonight. I did some research this last week about the literal light of the world, the sun. The sun that Jesus Christ made thousands or however long ago. We don't often think about it, but the sun is the source of life on earth, right? There's no life without the sun. Because trees convert the sun's energy in, into oxygen for us to breathe. Not only that, but without plants, there's no food, right? There's, uh, there's no food for us. There's no food for um, your, your Christmas ham or turkey. They wouldn't have had any food if there weren't plants. Without the sun, there is no physical life on earth. I wanted to figure out 
how powerful the sun is. And those of you who know me know that I think in car terms, which includes horsepower. And I just wondered, you know, how many horsepower does the sun have? And by the way, you know, horsepower is a pretty cool thing, you know, uh, if you're around horses and, and you see how powerful they are. I mean, think about the most of the cars that, that we all drove here tonight have between one and 300 horsepower, which is pretty incredible if you think of, you know, 300 horses pulling your car. That's a, that's a pretty incredible thing. That's a lot of power. Well, according to two physicists in the book, Modern Physical Science, they say this, we get energy from the sun at the rate of 5 million horsepower per square mile. So if you go out from your, from your house and, and, and make a, a square mile of your neighborhood, the, the amount of energy that the sun beams on to that is 5 million horsepower per hour. And God's created this incredible ecosystem that, that translates that into energy and into food and into oxygen and into life. You know what would happen if the, if the earth didn't rotate on its axis? Well, half the earth would freeze and, and the other half would fry, right? I mean, really, we're like a giant rotisserie chicken, you know, or a pig on a spit, except that the, the, the spin is perfect to sustain our lives, to keep us alive. I found this great NASA website that answers all these questions about the sun. You know what the first thing they say is? It says this, don't ever look directly at the sun. It will destroy your eyes. But what an irony. You know, without the sun, it wouldn't be possible to see anything. And yet the sun is so powerful that if you stare at it for a couple minutes, you'll be blind for the rest of your life. In God, we encounter the same kind of just unfathomable power. Apart from God, there is no warmth. There is no life. And you can deny that God exists, but the reality is that you're living under his warmth in his life right now. He's given you the energy and the life to deny him. And yet, the God who gives us life, if we could somehow stare directly at him, his power is so big, it, it would annihilate us. It would just, we, we, in our human form, Scripture says, our bodies staring at the sun is, is a small example of what it would be like to actually be in the presence of fully unlimited God. That's how big he is. See, not only did Jesus create our sun, which, by the way, is a smaller, medium-sized sun in the, in the whole universe as it spreads out. There's suns that are, uh, you know, exponentially larger than ours. Not only did he create that, but spiritually, he's the source of all the warmth and all the light in the universe. That's why he uses this title, Light of the World. And what Christmas is all about, it's a God who's that powerful. He's that strong. And he chooses to humble himself and to step gently, very gently, 
into our world. John 1 verse 14 tells us this, the word became flesh. Almighty God became a human, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, that same glory that we couldn't see if he didn't turn down the volume a little bit. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Jesus diminished himself to lift you up, cooled himself down to warm you up, dimmed himself to to brighten your life. I mean, this is a God who wraps himself in light, wraps himself in the light of suns, the way that you wrap yourself in in a towel or in a blanket, and he traded all that power, traded all that power to wrap himself in bone and skin and tendons and ligaments and fingernails and hair, humbled himself voluntarily, took upon him the form of a man. Why did this all-powerful God do this? Why would he make such a venture of humility? Well, it was to reach you. It was to warm you. It was to light the darkness in your life. It was to shine hope and peace where I needed it, where I still need it, and where you need it. He reduced himself to our level so that on our level, he could pay the price for our mistakes. Do you live every day, I wonder, knowing this warmth of God? Do you know the warmth of his forgiveness? Do you know that your sins are are fully and finally forgiven? Do you know that you're not defined by your mistakes, but that, that you're forgiven by the God who created all things and who judges all things? Do you know that when you place your trust in Christ to be your savior, do you know that God's love for you, it doesn't depend on how you perform, how you behave, how good you are or how good you look. He loves you with the love of a a perfect parent who loves their child, not because they perform or do certain things, but just because they are their child. In Jesus Christ's earthly birth, God took our weaknesses on him so that we could have his strength in us. And he came down in this form so that we wouldn't just be annihilated by his power. True story on March 5th, 1984, a sheriff's deputy by the name of, get this, Lloyd Prescott. Sounds like a name from Dumb and Dumber 3, but it's a real, it's a true story. March 5th, 1994, Sheriff's Deputy Lloyd Prescott was teaching a class for police officers in Salt Lake City. Uh, Deputy Prescott steps out into the hallway to get a drink, and true story, as he does, there's a gunman in the hallway who's taking nine people hostage and taking them into a classroom. Well, Deputy Prescott happens to be in plain clothes, but he has uh, his officer's firearm on him. And talk about quick thinking, he, he like just goes along with the group. Hostage number 10 hangs out with them in this classroom where they're held hostage by this crazy guy who has a gun and a bomb. True story. You can look it up, okay? 
And he hangs out in there with the hostages for five hours. Nobody knows who he is. He's just one of the hostages. And then as things escalated, the gunman started to announce the order in which he was going to execute the hostages. And at that moment, Deputy Prescott pulls out his concealed weapon, orders the gunman to stop. And, And long story short, in the scuffle that followed, the gunman did not make it out alive. And everyone else did make it out alive. It's an incredible story. You can look it up. You know that when God came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ, he knew who he was. He knew the power that he had, but he he dressed in street clothes and he walked around among the poor and the weak and the hurting and also among the proud and the religious and the people who thought they didn't need a savior. At the cross, imagine how Satan must have thought he was just fully in control the way that gunman did. You know, at the cross, Satan must have thought, well, this is it. You know, the only person who could stop me from killing and destroying all of humanity forever is dying. It must have been like that moment when the gunman didn't realize that hostage number 10 is about to take his life. Jesus, in a similar way, was, was concealing a great spiritual weapon, and that is that he can't be killed. He died on the cross for our sins. He took our penalty upon him. But then three days later, he rose from the dead. Why? Because he's the author of life. It's impossible to kill him. That same almighty God is the one who stepped in front of the bullets, the, the, the punishments that I deserve. Think about that deputy for five hours being in that classroom with those hostages. In the same way, God describes that right now, while we await Christ's return, we're in a world that is defined by sin and brokenness and darkness. And think of that, that hostage number 10, no one else knowing, and he's so cool and calm, and he says, it's, it's going to be okay. Trust me. And God says to you tonight, through the the light of Christ, I'm with you. Trust me. It's going to be okay. I have a plan. I know what I'm doing. For all who trust in Christ, he frees us from our captivity spiritually. He dimmed himself to rescue you. No matter how dark your life seems, Now or in the future, he has good plans to rescue you. He became flesh so that we could behold his glory. The light of the world dimmed himself so he could rescue us. When we understand Jesus as the true light of the world, it makes Christ an amazing miracle. Matthew puts it this way in Matthew 4.16. The people living in darkness, who's that? That's us. People living in darkness have seen a great light. That's Christ. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Why did Jesus come to earth? Luke puts it this way. Luke chapter 1, to give his people the knowledge of salvation. What's the way out of the burning building? What's What's the way to be saved 
It's the forgiveness of sins. That's the one thing that we all need. And Christ came to give you that if you'll trust in him for it. Because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. The rising sun has come from heaven to shine on you. Ravi Zacharias tells the story of a man named Joseph Damien. In 1864, Joseph Damien left a very comfortable life in in England, and he went to uh, some islands in Hawaii that at the time were, you know, totally undeveloped. And he he didn't just go to a native people, he went to a leper colony. There was a there was an island named Malaki, Hawaii, where all the lepers would be taken. Leprosy, you know, is, is a skin disease that's very contagious. It's very painful, not only physically, but also socially, because, because of its contagiousness, you become an outcast. You become rejected. You're never going to go to Christmas dinner again. You're never going to be at a birthday party again. The only other people you're going to know are lepers, because everyone else is afraid of getting your disease. And, and this missionary, Joseph Damien, decided that he would go into the leper colony to tell them that God still loves them, that God still has a plan for their lives. And for 16 years, he lived among them. He ate with them. He ministered to them as a healthy person. Well, one morning after those 16 years, he was preparing his morning sermon. And as he was pouring a, a cup of hot Water. The water spilled out and landed on his foot, and it took him a second to realize that he hadn't felt it hit his foot. So he, he poured out a little more water and realized that he couldn't feel his foot at all. And knowing what that meant, tears filled his eyes as he walked to the chapel to give his message that morning. At first, nobody noticed the difference because every morning he'd begin his sermon this way. He'd say, my fellow believers. But that morning he began it slightly differently. He said, my fellow lepers. In a greater measure, Christ came into our infected world, breathed into his pure being our contamination so that we might be made pure, so that we might be set free. Scripture says, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might be made righteous before God. Jesus in John 18, talking about this, says, for this very reason I came into the world. He didn't come on accident. He came on purpose. He came for you. John 1 tells us the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. So many did not receive him, but to all who received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I wonder this Christmas, have you received the light of Christmas? Have you believed on the name of Jesus? Have you felt him warm your soul? Have you seen him light your path? If the earth never turned 
towards the sun. It would be a cold, dark, lifeless rock of a planet. And it's the same for us. We might not want to accept it. Same for us. God says to you tonight, you are beloved of God. You are loved by me. But if you never turn to the Son of God, your heart will remain cold in, in ways that you maybe don't even know about. He's the only true source of light, the only true source of life, the only true source of forgiveness that is full and final. In Christ, you're never alone. In Christ, you need never be frightened. In Christ, you have hope pressed into the very fabric of who you are. In him, all that thirsts in you is quenched. In him, all that hungers in you is fed. In him, all that cries out in you is held and answered and cared for. Will you turn to him tonight? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are not only all-powerful, but that you are also all-loving. Lord, our, our finite minds struggle to understand you stepping into our earth just as our eyes cannot take in the power of the sun, we cannot take in the power of you. But Lord, you humbled yourself. You walked among us so that we could see your love, your humility, so that we could see that you desire to set us free, to heal us, to fulfill us. Lord, right now, tonight, we want to turn ourselves to you as the light of the world and as the light that we need. And Lord, right now, I just, I want to give an opportunity. If there's anyone in here who does not know with certainty that they're a child of God, that their sins are forgiven. If that's you tonight and you're here and, and you say, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about this. I, I want to turn towards the light of the world. How, how do I do that? What does that look like? Well, it's a choice that only you can make in your heart. No one else can make it for you. And, and God says that you express that choice this way. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that he died on the cross for your sins and he was risen again, God says, just do those two things. No one else can do them for you. Believe that Jesus is God. Believe that he died for your sins. And God says, you will be saved. So, so you simply tell God. No one else, no one else is, is, is hearing, but you simply tell God, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know there's darkness in my life. I need your light. I need your forgiveness. I need your warmth. You, you can pray that to him right now. And for all of us who believe in Christ, are, are there some areas in our lives where we've been looking to other things to warm us and we're wondering why we're cold, why we're dark, why we're empty? It's time to, it's time to rotate back towards the light. Father, this Christmas, as we go from here, we... We, in our hearts, no one else can see it, but we just, we turn to you. We look to your light to warm us, to fill us, to tell us who we are, and to make us better versions of who we are. 
We love you, Jesus. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.